Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. I'm Brenda, and we have yet another awesome, awesome, awesome episode for you. Uh, This is actually one that is, believe it or not, fairly common problem that is also one of the most uncomfortable problems out there, and uh, we're going to have a good time talking about this today. So if you are joining us for the first time, Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad you found us. This is an awesome, awesome series. Getting a lot of really great feedback on it. And you know what? This is all about for you guys. (laughs) That's what this is for. And if you guys are returning listeners, thank you so much. If you are coming back time and time again, you know what? You're just awesome. And I really cannot tell you how much I completely appreciate the fact that you join me on this adventure time and time again and you guys have that faith and that confidence in the stuff that we put out and it's just completely awesome so you guys absolutely totally rock all right so I am here to help you share with you the what and the how in human resources and I'm in the human business and that means that a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage exist but most importantly today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorites, poster updates. We've got employment law changes across the nation, and I'm going to also share with you later in the show where you can actually get access to these because there's a lot more that I get that I don't share on on the episode, but there's a place where I do put them. Um, Today's main topic, we're going to be talking about addressing poor hygiene and dress code violations. We've got the HR question of the day, and later on, I'm going to share with you how you can get best practices delivered right to your inbox. But before we go on, folks, I just want to let you guys know that the information that is available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, you're welcome to go ahead and reach out to me, and I may be able to refer one to you through our friends over in Jackson Lewis. Okay, poster updates. The one thing that everybody just has to just stand in line for, can't wait to get their hands on. Um, these are updates that have taken place since the beginning of the year. And um, I think we're to the point now where they're kind of calming down. So usually within the first couple of weeks, um, we do have, like, of the year, excuse me, and mid-year, we have a ton of poster updates. All right, so here we go. I'm going to run through this really quickly because those of you who have been listening have been hearing these states over and over and over again. But here we go. So if you are in the states of Louisiana, Utah, District of Columbia, Alaska, California, Colorado, Illinois, Montana, New Mexico, New York, Washington State, Missouri, Arizona, Florida, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, South Dakota, and Vermont, you guys all have poster updates. 
if you guys are in the following municipalities, you guys have supplemental poster updates, and here they are. In California, if you are in Belmont, Cupertino, Daly City, El Cerrito, Los Altos, Mountain View, Nevada, Oakland, Palo Alto, Petaluma, Redwood, Richmond, San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, San Mateo, Santa Clara, Sonoma, and Sun Valley, Sunny, excuse me, Sunnyvale, you guys have supplemental poster updates. Over in Minnesota, St. Paul, you guys have supplemental updates. And then also Washington over in SeaTac in Seattle, you guys have poster updates. Now I'm going to let you in on something about me. I'm a little quirky when it comes to this, <laughs> but there's a reason why, and I'll explain it to you in a second. <clears throat> For a long time, I have been watching and waiting to find out what is going on with this I-9 form. Okay, It is long since expired, which is totally normal. And this is what happens with USCIS. Um, there has been an announcement that's been released as effective January 31st. 2020, <clears throat> employees, employers need to begin using the new I-9 form posted, and it is the version 10 21 2019 now the reason why I get, this is, reason why I get all kind of excited about this is that this is first off in a long time coming but here's the thing this is the easiest compliance win possible right it's second to having your employment posters up that's why I geek out over this so much now, when you make an error on your I-9, and if those I-9s get audited, and we've talked about this in the past, and I've talked about it on the other show too, minimum it's a $220 fine per form. Per form. So if you have, let's say you have 25 employees, and 80% of your I-9s are incorrect, which is normal, that's $4,400 in fines that you're paying for things that you that are completely in your control and for a small business with 25 employees $4,400 is nothing to sneeze at right it doesn't bake it doesn't like break the bank either but you know what $4,400 can be you know used in a much better capacity so I strongly urge you to go ahead and start reading up and getting it together with your i9s because seriously once you have it down it literally is totally a set it and forget it and um, you just be in a much better, much better situation. And if you guys have questions on it, you're welcome to go ahead and reach out to me. Not a problem. All right. So don't have a lot going on across the nation. Just have a couple of announcements. So first off, the USCIS has announced that Iranians are no longer eligible for the E1 or E2 visa status. That's kind of a big deal. Over in Massachusetts, the high court upholds enforcement of employee non-solicitation covenants. So that's a big deal if you're in Massachusetts. Over in St. Louis, which we very rarely ever hear anything about St. Louis, they haven't enacted the band of the box ordinance uh, applicable to private employers. So if you're over in St. Louis, make sure you guys are studying up on uh, band the box and what that all entails. Over in New Jersey, New Jersey has amended its wage statement requirements. So if you guys are utilizing a payroll system, those things are probably done automatically. It still wouldn't hurt to reach out to the company and just make sure that everything is kosher and compliant and, you know, all cool and copacetic over there. If you are a company that's operating with your 
own payroll system, like you may have purchased the software, you guys have to make sure that you reach out and get the update and get that put into place. Um, over in New Mexico, this is kind of cool. The New Mexico Supreme Court holds uh, the tribal casino immune from workers' compensation claims. I don't, I'm not clear on the headline if it's just one particular uh, casino or if it's a all tribe, you know, an all-encompassing tribe casino. But when the Supreme, when the state Supreme Court makes a determination, that really is that's a that's a that's a landmark case, right? <clears throat> it definitely ranks right up there. So. That is what we got as far as headlines in the nation. Told you it wasn't a lot going on, but uh, we're going to get into our main topic here in just a second. I don't think there's any other topic, literally universally, that makes more people uncomfortable than an employee's body odor. I mean, think about it. Seriously. Employees don't want to experience it. Employees don't want to be embarrassed they don't want to embarrass anybody with it and certainly nobody wants to be confronted with it so body odor is normal and we here in the u.s have you know manufactured products to deal with it and for those with more serious cases you know there are treatments that are available but the challenge is how do you address it when it's happening in your workplace what are you doing as a leader to model the appropriate behavior Today we're going to provide some helpful tips and tricks on having that tough discussion around hygiene and how to actually go about dealing with it. Now, when I talk about modeling the behavior, I want to take a quick second here. What I'm referring to is several years ago, um, I was traveling with a vice president of an organization that I worked with, and we were in D.C., we were about ready to jump on the train, and what had happened was is that there was a... Uh, a, a woman who was homeless, uh, very clearly homeless, and she was standing on the platform not too far from this vice president. And and she, let's face it, I mean, she she really smelled bad, you know. And it was very very noticeable. But what was upsetting to me is that the vice president was standing there, holding her nose and her eyebrows furrowed. She looked like she was a four year old. And I started thinking. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe she stood there holding her nose and scowling, looking the way she did. All she had to do was just gracefully sidestep or move to another area where that person wasn't there. And I started thinking, you know, <laughs> if any one of your employees was around, um, I would have absolutely called you out on that. And I just looked at her and I'm thinking, well... You know, and it just, for somebody who's in that level of a leader position, leadership position, managing, you know, the type of work that she managed, it was just, it was really, really off-putting to see something like that. So, you know, when I talk about modeling it, think of that for a second. Are, you know, are you behaving that way or are you rising above it and dealing with it in a professional manner? So if you have somebody who's experiencing body odor issues, really the best thing that you can do is address it and don't put it off, right? First and foremost, it's a distraction. And I know it's gut-wrenching. I mean, not just the smell, but, the, you know, the thought of the conversation. But recognize that sometimes the anticipation of something is actually worse than the event itself. And in this case, that's usually what it is, right? Unless you do it wrong, it totally goes sideways. And if you keep listening, we're going to help you figure out how to do this. All right. But you may be thinking, like, oh, my God, you know, how do I go about doing this? And that's where all that anticipation starts building up. All right. It really isn't as difficult as you may be thinking it is. Um, very first thing is be kind 
but be direct. Pick your words carefully so that you do not offend the person. This is very different than somebody feeling bad or uncomfortable because they got that feedback and it's a very personal topic, right? Nobody wants to be told that they smell bad. But on the flip side, nobody wants to be humiliated for it as well. Simply tell them that you wanted to let them know that there is something noticeable and, and you really felt it was important that you discreetly shared it with the person so that other people also notice it as well. That this isn't something that's just a one-off thing. This is something that's noticeable. Okay. Don't dwell on the topic, but if it's a problem, let them know with as much compassion as possible that it's noticed and in all fairness, you didn't want it to become a problem for the employee, but it's something that they need to address. All right. Don't get too wordy. <laughs> when people get nervous, they get wordy about things. When you do that, you find yourself in a position where you're justifying what's going on, or it's very evident that you're as uncomfortable or you're as nervous as they may be feeling in dealing with this particular topic. Okay. I can promise you that if you are trying to justify what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's going to blow up in your face. All right. Justification is a very self-conscious act and it is one that demonstrates a very high level of insecurity when you have to constantly like justify why you're doing something. So here's a really great example. So here's an example of what happened over the weekend. American Airlines is now in the spotlight for a similar situation of something we were just talking about. But the concern of odor actually surrounds a passenger and not necessarily an employee, but it was involved the reported actions of employees. And this particular incident took place back in 2019. But what has happened is that the couple that was impacted has now filed a lawsuit against American Airlines. So in short, three Jewish passengers, a husband, a wife, and their toddler, were asked to return to the gate's desk after they boarded the flight, where they were told that several of the passengers had complained of the husband's body odor. Now bear in mind that this gentleman wore a yarmulke. So there's some reported, there were some other reported events as part of this, but in several articles, um, just to kind of see what some of the facts were, it mentioned that the gate attendant had told the husband that he was aware that Orthodox Jews only bathed once a week. Well, it went over like a lead balloon, and it is, in my opinion, a contributing factor to the discrimination lawsuit that is now in place. Now, it's very possible that the gate attendant was trying to diffuse the situation by showing compassion and saying that. That's a justification. That's kind of what I was talking about before. And if that was the intent, it did not have the desired impact. It actually brought religion forward. Okay. And so <laughs> bad, 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 bad move on that guy's part. Like I said, if he was trying to demonstrate it through as a show of empathy that, or compassion, it totally went sideways on him. All right. So if you're aware of medical conditions or religious practices, I'm going to tell you right now, keep your lips sealed and do not try and do not use it to try and gain good favor. It's just not going to work. You're going to be only opening the company and yourself up for possible discrimination claims. Okay. More often than not, believe it or not, people don't realize that there's an unpleasant odor to their body, especially if they come in well-groomed, <clears throat> meaning that their clothes are cleaned and they have you know, a relatively nice appearance. 
And if they share with you that they've been experiencing a physical or hormonal condition, now you're dealing with a different type of situation. But at least you know and you can, effective it manage, you can effectively manage it, okay? If they come to you with a hormonal condition or they say something that it's a result, it could be based off of, you know, requirements of their diet, you know, things happen, you know, then now it's time to work with the employee to determine what do you need to do in order to find something in the middle or some way of working through this, okay? But what happens if you have an employee who comes to work with a dress code violation? And this is something that a lot of people, believe it or not, they face. And if you only knew how many times that I've spoken to clients and employers who never address the issue, you would actually be pretty surprised. And it's amazing to me that they don't have a discussion with the employer, take action, and they just let it fester. And then it sets a precedence and encourages undesired behavior, which is not good. Now, in all fairness, <clears throat> some of this involves very sensitive uh, dynamics of it is a male employer, excuse me, a male employer or a male supervisor noticing something inappropriate about a fe the way a female is dressing. She could be showing too much cleavage. Her pants could be way too tight, right? Or she could just be highlighting her curves a little too much to where it's distracting. And you know what? When you have that kind of figure, that can sometimes happen, and I've seen it firsthand. There are some girls out there that really enjoy being a girl, and they do tend to enhance their figure, right? So that's a very dodgy place for a man to feel having that conversation, but more often than not, what guys can be known to do is that in lieu of even asking for help on how to have the conversation, they just kind of like, okay, hope that it goes away. And I'm not bashing guys by any, any sense of the imagination or anything like that. I've just heard this enough times that I can actually come from a place of experience and they're like, I just don't know what to say. And I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. I don't want to start, you know, rumor or conjecture. I don't want to be, you know, picked on. I don't want this to come back and backfire at me. I, you know, they just, they really have no idea what to say. So they don't ask for help. They just kind of let it go because they just really don't know how to deal with it. So if you have a policy in place, then you really should be holding your employees responsible for adhering to it. And there's nothing wrong with sending an employee home to change if they're dressed inappropriately. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Notice I said the word inappropriately, and I say that because I've seen some pretty strange behaviors with managers around dress codes in the past. One of the things that I saw years ago was that I saw a manager actually get on his hands and knees with a tape measure to measure the height of an employee's dress shoe to ensure that her pumps weren't higher than the company than what the company policy had uh, restricted. And she wasn't wearing anything inappropriate. She wasn't wearing, you know, four-inch stilettos. She was wearing career-style pumps. But needless to say, I actually corrected his behavior as he was really kind of known to nitpick with this particular woman. And I said, well, you don't do this with other people. Why are you doing it with her? And I said, before you answer that, think very carefully. <laughs> so he kind of got a little bit of a warning shot across his bow. And he's ne he never did it again. And he realized that in he was he was trying to be kind of funny about it because he wasn't sure. But I'm like, you've got a lot more to worry about than somebody who doesn't report to you and the height of her shoes. I said, you're going to cause problems here real quick. All right. But I've also seen employees wearing tight and revealing clothing. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I've seen it from both men and women to the point 
a couple of times where it's actually been relatively obscene. In earlier days, I've actually sent my own subordinate, people that a girl that reported to me home, to change out of her neon orange bra that was highly visible through her white blouse. She was a client-facing employee, and that's not something that I can have. So conversely, we had you know that employee that came into the office. We had another person that came in, and who absolutely took no care in her appearance on certain days. And it was vital that we had a discussion around that as well, because even though she wasn't client facing, when we did have guests and visitors coming into the office, she, you know, she was within visible sight. So it's things like that. It's more important. It's more than appropriate to send people home to change. It's more than appropriate when employees get too casual. And I say that I'm actually holding up my fingers, making those quotes, which you can't see with their attire. And you have to set those limits. But what you do need to be careful of are the things that are protected under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. In 2019, California passed a law protecting employees from discrimination around their natural hair styles. Okay? And that population that was predominantly impacted mostly is in the black community. And this law is very clear and very specific on the different types of styles that could be considered part of their natural hair. Okay. Also, in July 2019, New York, the state of New York, was the second state, and they also joined in by passing legislation prohibiting discrimination on natural hairstyles. Now, certain cultures also exhibit unique attributes that are protected under national origin. Certain cultures display things like facial tattoos, such as the Pacific Islanders who are, are of Maori descent, and Aztec and African cultures pierce their lips. So to refrain from employing a person or disciplining them for these types of attributes, which are part of their cultural identity and heritage and national origin, specifically under national origin, is prohibited under So today I'd like to give a shout out to Pauline. Thank you so much for your support and your kind words. And then also to Jennifer. It was really, really great talking to you today on the phone. Um, I know you got some pretty cool decisions to make coming up, so uh, good luck. And if you need anything else, you know you know where to find me. So thank you so much. So you can submit your HR questions in, on the bestpractices.org website. And by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of the podcast page is the submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may read on an, an, an answer on an upcoming episode. So this one I thought was kind of an interesting question. The question was posed as to... What is the fastest that you have personally fired somebody else and why? <laughs> so there were a couple of instances and some things that I was involved in, in in early in history. And I think the fastest one was when an employee just came up and cold cocked another person, for, like for no reason, just pow, right in the face. And, uh, and it was, it was, it wasn't like, you know, just, guys being guys and you know you know fist hitting each other in the shoulder this was an absolute just strike right into the jaw and I just looked at her I said you can pack your stuff up and just go just go right now and um there were a couple other instances where it was pretty close to something like that but um yeah that was that was definitely one where I was like yeah you just need to leave um, some other things that, you know, I've terminated pe for people for really quickly is um, I've caught them lying, uh, just flat out lying. 
uh, that's a big one. Uh, that one that one moves along pretty quickly. But you know the the thing is is that when you when you realize that somebody's doing something incorrectly and you're addressing it, that's the important thing is that you're addressing it in a timely manner. And the longer you allow bad behavior to go on and you don't work to change bad behavior or, or undesired behavior into desired behavior because that really is the goal of coaching and, and you know mentoring and getting somebody right back in line where they need to be the longer you allow bad behavior to go on it 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 does a lot of things to the workforce it creates animosity it creates drama um, it can potentially lose the company money because everybody's attention is no longer on the current issue at hand. It's that issue that keeps popping up and it's just not a good position to be in. Um, you know, and it can also actually open up the door some, for some legal issues as it regards to the company. Now, conversely, that when you do separate from somebody, you know, you don't, you don't want to. Now, I just gave you an example of how I did it relatively quickly. But that was a no-brainer. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about an assault on somebody else, that's that's a no-brainer. I don't care if you were the instigator or the offender. That's a no-brainer, right? But when you've got somebody um, that is doing harm to the environment, give them a chance, give them every opportunity to turn it around. And if they can't turn it around, there's nothing wrong with eliminating bad talent. There really isn't. But you really want to... You want to work to give that person every opportunity, unless it is severely egregious. Then it's time to go ahead and cut the cut it and let it go. So something that I am extremely well aware of is how awesome and exciting the HR field is. It's a really rewarding career that is full of never-ending challenges, and to me, it's very meaningful work, which is why I was so attracted to the industry from the beginning. I enjoy helping people, and I enjoy helping people find solutions to their problems, since this is the reason why I do this podcast. But I'm also aware of its challenges and its limitations, one of them being an HR army of one, being that person that is everything. I know what it feels like to do this job as a beginner, all the way to the level of expertise that I have now. I know what it's like to try and find the answer in just what feels like this deep pit of information. And when I find it, I wasn't sure if what I was finding was the accurate information or even everything that I needed to know. And I'm very, very good at relying on my gut. And when my gut was telling me that I still didn't feel comfortable, I felt like I had a partial answer, it told me I was, I was probably right. And more often than not, I was. And it can be a very isolating field to work in because there's only so many people you can talk to. So if you're an HR person of one, you can't divulge confidential information. You can't look to your left or to your right and talk to your peers about what's going on in your work day or in your work environment because it's confidential information. If you have subordinates, you can't air your concerns or Use them as a complaining soundboard, which everybody needs. And I'm not complaining like, you know, whining, complaining. But you know what? This stuff gets very frustrating over time. And you can't push that down on your people. And you can't really roll it up because your leaders look to you to be the strength when it comes to addressing people issues. So really, you don't have a lot of people. You can't go home and do pillow talk. Sorry, that's what it is. Can't go home and do pillow talk because you're at risk of releasing confidential information outside of the workplace. So 
you know, you, you have to be able to find somebody that understands the gravity of what's going on, but understands the discretion that's needed as well. Okay. Now, in January last month, I launched the new online community for those of you who are in the HR field and wanted or wanting to enter the field as well. Now, this community is open to those who are established HR champions, to those who are aspiring to become one. And I was inspired to contribute to women in HR because on a regular basis, I had business owners and office admins coming up to me and saying, I don't know anything about HR. I don't know where to look for information, and I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't want to goof it up. Okay, And it reminded me of the times when I was consulting to clients for a large payroll company, and it really, really rang my bell. Matter of fact, it happened. I had just gotten done telling somebody about this. I said, you know, I've got an idea on addressing this, and I told them, I said, I got people coming up to me saying this, and literally, literally within 30 seconds, she's standing next to me. One of our network mates comes up to me, and he says, exactly, literally, verbatim, word for word, and I just looked over, and she goes, oh my gosh, it was hilarious. But I remember what it felt like to be that HR army of one. I remember what it felt like when I didn't think I had the necessary support to do the job. I remember what it felt like when I didn't have the knowledge. And I really had to dig, dig deep and go with my gut and use my best judgment. And it was scary as hell. I'm going to tell you right now, it was very scary. So I remember what it was like when I wasn't supported. Right. And I ran a I ran a certain concern or a situation up and I didn't get the support that I needed to help resolve it. I know what that feels like, which means that it put me on a mission to connect with 20,000 women in HR to positively impact the lives of one million employees in the workplace. Now, the next gen women in HR is the member site, and that is a great place for women to come and learn and connect, share resources, go deep and understand how to apply knowledge and perform the HR function with tools and current resources. Most importantly, it is a place to get support. And this decade is going to continuously present new challenges. We're already seeing them. We're what? 34 days, 35, 6, 7 days into the new year, and we're already seeing new challenges. And they're always seeing challenges a lot like some of the ones that we've been talking about on this show. And there's two places to connect. Start with the Next Gen Women in HR member site and invest in yourself. Go deep. Ask for help. Find a mentor. Participate in networking events that we publish and connect one-on-one -on -one with other HR champions who can help guide you. As my friend and past guest Lauren says, you deserve to be well-known, well-paid, and wanted. Join the Next Gen Women in HR site at bestpractices.org. And in this industry, you should be known for your talent, paid for your skills, and wanted for your abilities. Now, we also have an, act we also have an active Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group, and that's another great place to connect and interact. And this is where I share information on how to network, how to brand yourself as an HR professional. I share case studies on HR scenarios and share best practices on how to disconnect and recharge and how you take care of yourself while you have to take care of everything else. It's also the place where we celebrate people's successes. Now, if you don't have the ability to write all this down while you're listening, if you're out driving around or, you know, you're just you're jogging or running or you're exercising, you know, no worries. Don't worry about it. Send me a message on any one of my social sites and I'll be happy to connect with you. Or you can click the connect link at the top of the bestpractices.org website and I'll get you the information that you need. Now, the HR industry is a feminine-driven industry. And, yes, we like our HR guys, too. So come on in. We do have men. 
who are in the Facebook group. Now this week I kicked off our second major case study and focused on why we need to study the labor market, how unemployment is calculated, what aspects of the market are changing, and what you need to be on the lookout to adjust your recruiting strategies via Facebook Live. And I invite all of you to join in and become part of the conversation and find your focus for 2020. It's all about moving forward, and that's what we're focusing on this month and what you can do to keep up that momentum. And I cannot wait to connect with everybody. So take your experience deeper by joining the Next Gen Women in HR member site at bestpractices.org. This is where you get to invest and learn the what and the how of HR by going deeper into the experience with a dedicated community to learn, grow, develop, and connect with others who want to learn or want to mentor and access tools to help you perform this role. Now, I also mentioned earlier in the episode that you can read the HR news announcements that I share on the podcast show and the ones that I don't. And the links to these articles are now part of the Next Gen Women in HR's member site on the bestpractices.org website as well. You can get monthly access for the site for less than three cups of coffee a week. All this information is updated weekly and is what helps me stay current in my profession as an HR pro, and I promise you it will absolutely help you do the same as well. I look forward to connecting with you guys, and I cannot wait to have you as part of this tribe. Seriously, it's an awesome group of people, and I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know these individuals, and I look forward to having a long working relationship with, with several of them, actually many of them. Now, you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can also follow me again on Instagram as Brenda the HR Lady. You can find me over and connect in LinkedIn by just typing in my name, which is Brenda Neckvattle, and that's spelled N-E-C-K-V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. You can also find me over on YouTube. And finally, once again, you can connect with me over in the bestpractices.work website. Click connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And folks, thank you again for joining me on yet another episode. This is awesome. This is episode 46 which means that we are only, I got three more episodes till we ring the bell on episode number 50, five zero. And I've got an awesome special guest who's coming in. I've got an actor coming out from Hollywood. He is a blue power ranger. He's a load of fun. And uh, it's going to be an epic, epic episode. We've got other really fantastic guests coming down the pike for you guys to listen, enjoy, and really get the best and make the most out of your experience. So once again, thank you guys. I hope you have an awesome week, and I will talk to you next time. Take care.